0: So I know that uh, a lot of times in my sermon writing, and in certainly sharing with you, that there's a little bit of therapy in this for me, uh, because I get, to, I get to kind of confess some things to you that's going on in my life, and, and, I, and I, I don't do that, you know, for any other reason than let me be the example uh, of what not to do, and uh, so there's more confession today, okay, and I, I just want you to know this, so it's good for me to, to voice this. Uh, as confession is good for the the soul and I know that when you hear me talk and preach that a lot of my issues have to do with driving and it's not my driving it's everybody else's driving and their understanding of traffic rules and laws and so on and so forth and well once again there's a story that just God allowed to be a part of this Um, and I just don't know what it is navigating streets of Decatur that that frustrates me, me right This past Wednesday, uh, after our first priority, we had our first uh, new staff staff meeting. So it it was Jessica who we hired uh, to be our administrative assistant, Caleb who's here, and and it's it's myself. So it was our first meeting. And Jessica, I think, had the idea of, since we just left the school, uh, we're gonna give her credit anyway, of going and getting coffee at Starbucks not for us, but for the staff or the office staff at Austinville Elementary. Now hey, you know what? Love your heart. That's a great thing. So, so let's go do this. We do this occasionally. We'll go down there and just love on, take them some Starbucks, and, and they, they they do it. So we drive over to Starbucks and we get our orders in, okay, and we move to the side and we wait. And this whole mobile thing, I get it, it's convenience we don't do it I don't do it we probably should have done it it would have been you know it would have saved a lot of headache frankly. but we didn't we ordered in person and I just think if you show up at a place in person that you should get the preferential treatment right like I came to your establishment I parked my car out there in your parking lot so that passers-by see hey we're supporting this business I think that we should get the preferential treatment every single time so we keep waiting and we keep waiting and we keep waiting to which at this point my body language reads i'm getting ticked <laughs> and people know that know me know this they, they see this they know uh oh yeah, there, there's a little bit of a tornado brewing over there and so jessica notices this as i start to just i don't even say anything i'm just walking to the counter Cause I'm, and I didn't even have a drink all right I, I didn't even get anything all right? everybody else got something Caleb got something Jessica got something we got a bunch of drinks with the the people up here at Austinville I didn't even get anything but by golly I am tired of waiting and so as I'm starting to walk to the counter she just calmly and very passively says remember Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Come on. First rule of staff is you don't hold me accountable like, like, like that. So we go up there and and, and it's like okay, because I'm 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 beyond frustrated. It, it's it's time. You know, I'll i remember Jesus alright, the part where he went into the temple and started. <laughs> That's the Jesus I'm remembering right now in, in this moment, right? And so I go up there and I talk to the young lady and she informs me, Oh, it just so happens that your order is next. Oh yeah should have done this 30 minutes ago. the next thing, so we get our coffee we get the stuff from the school we head out the door now this particular Wednesday and I, I hope they don't listen to this um, I had just spent the three days before with my parents traveling to the ark and there's all kinds of some illustrations in those three days I promise you that um, but, so this is I'm back in the office and my Wednesday things are stacked I mean it is like hey we got to go one thing right after the the other, I got to go meet Mr. Pastor Rick, I gotta Rick, go see Mr. Jimmy. I, I got to go. All, all this stuff is still in front of me, and we did this kind of unplanned, good deed trip to Starbucks. And so now I'm I'm kind of over the top a little bit. We've had to we we've spent 45 minutes that was not part of my day. My patience has run thin, and I'm ready for the next appointment. So we pull out of Starbucks, left on Wimberly Drive, and we get to the intersection there where it's spring and Wimberley. If you're not familiar with this intersection, uh, it's right turn only, okay? Which you gotta turn right, and of course we need to go the other opposite direction, so you then have to go into some place down the road and turn around, the closest place is the Walmart parking lot, which don't get me started there. So, I'm sitting here at the stop sign, and no one's coming. No one. I could I push my truck into the left turn much less i mean there's no one there i can make this left turn and here's the deal i'm going to save by turning left i'm going to save a minute that's a minute i get back right and so here i am i'm thinking to myself this is not a big deal just turn left because turning left at this intersection if you're familiar with decatur if you've been around a while this was not even a traffic violation 10 years ago I mean, I mean, when Starbucks was first built, I mean, you could turn left there all day long. Not an issue. It's because of people who don't know how to drive in this town. They pull out in front of people who start having rates, and now they're like, right turn only. But there's nobody here. It was not, I've seen the police turn left there. No big deal. Turn left. So I can do it. I can save time. It, it, this is a win-win all the way around. All right, there's my confession. I have driving issues. Let's talk about virtue. Second uh, Peter <laughs> chapter one verses five through eight. What was the what was the Just wait. <laughs> so y'all don't get to ask questions. Second Peter one. Here we go. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter is challenging us. I shared with you last week, you guys know, I love, I love lists. And there's a lot of lists in, in the New Testament we're on this journey of becoming like jesus like that's the goal for every christ follower that you are to live in relationship with one another and you are to learn how to become like jesus and so peter is telling us that as christ followers that we are to make every effort every effort to add to our faith this list of seven characteristics And that if we do this, we will keep from being ineffective or unfruitful. And last week, we kind of camped out there last week as Christ followers. Sometimes, a lot of times, we're we're guilty. And too many of us can relate to, man, seasons of life where I, I just felt ineffective as a Christian. And so Peter gives us the list. Do these things and you won't feel that way.
1: And he tells us that you will
0: not be unfruitful in the new testament fruit kind of a big deal i mean jesus jesus has this kind of long discourse there right before going to the cross john chapter 15 is not coming up on the screen the whole we are the vine branches that song he's the vine we're the branches he says those who remain in me and i in them they will produce fruit So there's this connection. Jesus is painting this picture for you and I. That if we abide, if we're present in him, we will bear fruit, and not just a little bit of fruit, we'll bear much fruit. And he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and it withers. Such branches don't miss this one church. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And so you've got the ones that are bearing fruit, they remain. You've got the ones that, now I'm not producing fruit. Guess what happens? They get cut off and they get burned. And these are some pretty strong words from Jesus. And the key. The key in this discourse is that we are to remain in Him. We are to abide in Him. And so it's all about me being present with the Lord consistently. So, church, I come before you. I want you to bear fruit. I want you in your life to be one that produces much fruit. And so today. Per Peter's instruction, we add to our faith virtue. That's where he starts. You've got a faith. Every one of you have a faith. Some version of faith, of trust and belief in the Lord. We all have it in this room. We're to add to what we have already. We're to add to this virtue. Now, what, 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 is, what is virtue? Well, when you boil it down, it's moral excellence. That's what virtue is. right moral excellence is all about doing the right thing all the time he works that's what that's what virtue is that's what moral excellence is it's about doing the right thing all the time and it's based on in this world in which Peter is writing it's doing the right thing based on whose moral code Of course Jesus his teachings the Word of God that's what moral excellence is all about It it goes way beyond I'm I'm gonna obey all the traffic rules in town or I'm gonna obey all the tax laws or or I'm just gonna be a a good citizen and I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna cross any lines when it comes to my homeowners Association right It, it goes way beyond that moral excellence is all about the teachings of Jesus. And so that's what the virtue that Peter is teaching us. God's word is the standard. And this supersedes cultural laws. And so we should always follow those cultural laws until they conflict with scripture. So there's a guy in the Bible who modeled this for you and I. He, he had commands of God in his life and then he was dumped into another culture he was commanded to do some things that went against his beliefs in God's word it's one of our favorite stories my favorite stories the, the one year I did Bible bowling in, in school was on the book of Daniel I love Daniel so if you have your Bibles let's read Daniel chapter one together now i going to get into all of it share some history with you just so you know next year's sermon calendar is about two-thirds old testament a lot of history going through the prophets going through king david there's going to be a lot of history shared with you next next year all right but daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods Now God had given the chief of staff staff, both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then, make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. In verse 17, it said, Daniel made a lot of friends that day. Just kidding. Okay. All right. So hopefully, a familiar story with you. A little history. The year. 605 B.C. Jehoiakim is the king of Judah. Eighteen kings have passed since David was on the throne. The kingdom has been split in two. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, raids Judah and he takes captive the wisest, the best looking of all the young men. (coughs) Brings them back Into his courts. And he just would like, I'm just gonna go pick a fight. You know, he's a bully. He's just gonna, I'm gonna go down to Judah and I'm gonna pick a fight, and I'm just gonna go down there and torment them, and I'm gonna just take whatever I want. And so that's kind of the pattern that Nebuchadnezzar is in. So he raised Judah, gathers up all the best of the all the young men, and he brings them back to serve him by placing these young men in his royal court where they will learn. The Babylonian language and all the customs, including dietary, culinary, they're going to eat from the king's table. Now, Jewish law forbids the eating of the following types of meat. All right. So, when you get into it, Leviticus, fascinating read. I know you guys have loved to study that, and so you probably remember these rules. But if you are of the Hebrew lineage, if you are part of this, there's just certain things that you can't can't eat. Right? We all know pork. And when that's as Gentiles, we're grateful. We're grateful to be Gentiles because we love the barbecue. And we've got some ribs going, and we're going to put some of that Carolina mustard based sauce on it. We love that. Thank you, Lord, that we are not Jews. They can't eat pork. They can't eat. You ready for it? Camel. Can't eat camel. I've never had camel, so I They've never had, they can't eat rabbits. All right? They cannot eat, and I had to study this one. I didn't even know what this is, but I've had it before. They cannot eat coney. I thought it was hot dogs from a certain part of our, our world. <laughs> coney is guinea pig. All right? Go knock it to eat, try it. Okay? Go to Ecuador with us. Plenty of coney. Jews are not even allowed to touch the carcasses of the animals just, just listed. Okay? So we, we, we can't have any of that. Uh, they cannot eat birds of prey. You know, we can't, can't, can't eat a hawk. I don't, I don't know why we want to, but they can't eat eagles. They can't eat birds of prey. They can eat poultry, all right? We're allowed some chicken, allowed some duck, allowed a goose every now and again. All those things are acceptable. Uh, they could eat. Pigeons, I so you want to, but doves and quail, so that's a good thing. They can make it here. Uh, fish, some fish are allowed. They, they, the fish have to have fins and scales, which means that they couldn't come to our fish fry. They can't have, they can't have catfish. They can't have any bottom dwellers. Uh, they can't eat shellfish. You know that is, That's completely off, off limits. Uh, insects are allowed. Some, they can eat locusts. John the Baptist, he survived on those things. Uh, the Katie did, you know, uh, they should have eaten a lot more of those, in my opinion. Uh, let's get rid of those things. Uh, <laughs> they can eat those. Um, Creeping things that crawl upon the earth are considered unclean. Well, yeah, they're in the dirt. Worms, caterpillars, uh, snakes, snails, lizards, chameleons, moles, bulls, they're all. Forbid <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, yeah, why, why not? Uh, so if you're Jewish, you cannot eat those. And, and here's the crazy thing. So, say that, uh, you know, just under Mosaic Law, if you happen to be cooking and you, you, you're, you're outside or, or something crawls into, say, like a water pot. You know, one of these things crawls into a water pot, like a, a, a snail. And it dies. The water pot... Is now contaminated and under mosaic law it must be broken it must be destroyed like we can't even add boiling water to it like something from this list got into it and we've got to we've got to destroy our clay pot same thing with our oven you know if something were to you know if a mole or somehow or something anything were to have gotten into the oven or touched the oven the entire oven has to be destroyed so pretty strict, right? And we, we know this from, from being part of, of church that man, man, there's, there, there's a, lot of, a lot of, and it goes on beyond that, just so you know. That, that's just kind of the highlights of the restrictions that Daniel had in his life. The Babylonians, they're fair game. We don't have any dietary restrictions. They ate what they wanted to, and they got their steaks medium well. Hallelujah. That, that, that's how they did it, man. They, they would eat whatever they wanted to. Their wine was not cut with ex- ex- excess water. It was strong as strong could be. I mean, that's just the way they rolled. Sweets, essences. I mean, a very rich diet the Babylonians had. And so Daniel and his friends, they find themselves in a little bit of conundrum. We've been kidnapped. We've been brought to a foreign country and, and now the, the culture and the customs of this land are now being <coughs> imposed upon us and our life as we serve, as we live in bondage. And here's the crazy part of the story. Daniel and the guys, they're getting the royal treatment. They're getting the nicest of nice by living in the king's house. Based on the Babylonian culture, the king thinks that he's doing these guys a favor by allowing them to eat from his very table. And so the guards over Daniel and, and, and the, the guys from Judah, that they don't get to eat from the king's table. The Babylonians who don't live with the king, don't get to eat from the king's table. But these men who have been plucked out of most likely poverty, these men who have been plucked out of this society and brought, they are now living first class. And based on our standards, how we would view it, we would say, Oh, the quality of life is actually improved, even though you're a slave. I know you don't have your freedom and stuff, right? a big deal. But as far as what you have access to, education, the quality of your life has improved in these circumstances. Virtue is all about me doing the right thing based on my understanding of God's word. So Daniel, even though he is in captivity, even though he can lose his life, We know that Ashton who's over the royal guard, that he can be beheaded. That, That detail is mentioned in there. If we go against the king's orders, we risk losing our life. And the word is determined. The word is resolved. It's the same thing was determined to not go against the convictions of what God's law was for His life. Not doing it. I, I know that I'm a slave. <clears throat> I, I, I know that, that I've been in, in, in captivity here, but I'm not crossing this line right here because it goes against the convictions that I have with the understanding of God's law. In my life. And this is a theme that you guys know is consistent throughout the rest of the book. Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego get set up time and time and time again. And each time they are like, nope, not doing it. Throwing me in a fiery furnace? Go ahead. If God chooses, he'll do it. He'll protect us. Throwing me in a lion's den? Okay, do it. God will protect us. But I am not going against my understanding of God's law in my life. Church, this is moral excellence. This is virtue. This is doing the right thing based on my current understanding of God's word. Peter says that we are to add to our faith virtue. We are to do the right thing based on our current understanding of God's Word. Because I'm telling you right now, if, if we took a test in this room, there's different levels of understanding, and that's all well and good. There's different levels of understanding of God's Word. <laughs> we all remember things differently, but I have this understanding of God's Word in my life. Moral excellence is I'm going to live this out every single opportunity, even when the culture around us says something different if you look back at the First Peter passage I want you to look at verse 8 for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ the virtue that I am to add to my faith must be increasing in all areas of my life in order for me to be kept from being ineffective It's not good enough that I practice moral excellence in the day to day moments where it's easy and it's convenient. That doesn't cut it. Last night, I had a little joke laid uh, of in the house. There's some things around the house that I just don't do very well. All right? Uh, And one of those is dishes in the dishwasher. I have a knack for getting them to the sink, and I'll even run about three seconds of water over them just so whatever's on the plate just doesn't like get crusty-crusty, okay? And so last night, as Amanda and I were talking, I did go to the grocery store yesterday and I did cook an incredible dinner for her, all right? Grilled cheese sandwich, yes, yes I did. Yes, yeah, I did. Um, and then, as, as we are, are, are going about the evening, I, I point out to her, because I, I had some, <laughs> I had some some of my laundry kind of set right outside the laundry room. And uh, I just, like, brought them in my laundry basket and set it right there in the chair right outside of the laundry room. And then uh, I kind of walked away and was doing something else. And she's like, are you just going to leave that right there? And I'm like, well, I would like to point out to you that I did cook dinner. All right? And I loaded the three plates in the dishwasher. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And she's like, so you did the thing that you're supposed to. Like, are we supposed to celebrate this? Like, what what, what are you talking about? Right? Hey, (laughs) it's not good enough that I practice moral excellence in the day-to-day moments where it's easy and convenient. Right? (laughs) Well done. Okay. I must add to my faith doing the right thing all the time, even when I'm running late. I didn't turn left. I turned right." Okay, I knew the sermon was coming. (laughs) I knew knew the sermon was coming. So moral excellence is doing the right thing based on God's law all the time. Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 17, Paul's talking to the church. He says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Church, you know what I'm about to say to be true. We are living in a culture that is shoving certain values in our face on a minute by minute basis that goes against God's word. And Paul's instruction here is telling us exactly what is happening. Verses 18 and 19 are telling us exactly what's going on. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is our culture. And it's not just our culture today. It's not something that we're experiencing for the first time. Paul wrote this to a church that was going through almost the exact same thing that we're going through right now in the Roman Empire. What we're going through is is not new to mankind. We're just repeating what other cultures have done down the line. Solomon tells us, there's nothing new on earth, guys. It's being shoved in our face. And so he says here to us, to Christians in the church, I put off the old self. That's what he says in verse 22. That's what he's telling us. that We are to put off the old self because we used to be this before we came to Jesus Christ. You you may have been a great person. All right, but you were still a wretched sinner before you asked Jesus into your life. And so he's telling us, I put off my old self in verse 22. And in verse 24, he says, I'm going to put on my new self. You know what that means? Add to your faith moral excellence. That's what he's saying. When, when I wake up each day, I choose that I am going to be determined To do the right thing based on my understanding of God's Word. Church we need to understand I'm not working for my salvation or I'm not trying to earn my way into heaven by doing this. I'm not trying to get a bigger place up in heaven all right this is not about works here it is about the journey that hopefully you and I are on to become like Jesus. You are created after his likeness, verse 24 tells us. Verse 23 gives you another keys to success. It's written right there. It's hard to execute, but it's real simple and understand. We are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Like, like right between take off the old self and put on the new self is this line that we kind of overlook a lot of times that that we are renewed in the spirit of our minds. And so, culture tells us one way of living is acceptable, but tells you and I that we, but this tells us that you and I, we're to be renewed. Which simply means we're to be renewed by the way we think right I mean, Paul's consistent with this it, it it's not some pixie dust that just gets sprinkled on us and all of a sudden I, I start thinking or behaving a different way I am renewed from my old self to my new self by changing the way I think Romans 12 up on the screen here don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think and he goes on to say then you're gonna know God's will which is pleasing and perfect that's the renewal of our mind is allowing God to change The way we think so I add to my faith moral excellence which is based on my current understanding of God's Word church this tells me that meditation and the study of Scripture must be a priority in my life I must have ample amounts of time in my week where I am just absorbing as much of God's word as I possibly can. I need to be in life groups where I'm having conversations with other like-minded people about the word of God. I need to minimize the distractions and the influence of the world, which, you know, I, I'm guilty of this. I'm speaking to Michael right now. Oh, you know, this show, it, it doesn't have a big an impact on me. Anybody ever say that? We are to be renewed by the way we think. God's word must be the thing that influences us the most. And so tomorrow morning, we need to wake up and we need to spend time with God. And then we need to be resolved to put on our new self by by doing the right thing based on your knowledge of God's word. And then you will be fruitful. And I I love that that this is the the order. Add to your faith virtue. Well, well, virtue is just taking what you already know and living it out. We we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago with with the parable of the seeds, right? Jesus shared this parable of the seeds. God's word is the seed. And and he stops it short. He just says like, hey, there's a guy that goes out and he throws seed here, 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 here. If you have ears, listen. He doesn't explain it, and the disciples step in and are like, hey, "Excuse me, teacher, um, why all of a sudden are you speaking in parables, telling us stories?" And he goes on this this discourse where he starts teaching that we gain understanding by doing the things we already know to be correct. We gain more understanding by doing a better job of living out. Well, we already know, and then adding to that, more knowledge. That's exactly the formula that Peter's given us here. He says, you need to add to your faith faith virtue. You need to add to your faith moral excellence. And you know what comes next week? Knowledge. We've got to keep learning. We've got to keep dying to self and, and, and absorbing and embracing the word of God. If we are the exact same Christian today and and next year, something's wrong, church. Something is terribly wrong. Because you do these things and then you will bear fruit. I've got a part of my sermon here. I've got more. Our soap this week. I, 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 I know what's coming. Psalm one thirty nine. It's, it's a very personal song from David, who hid things from the Lord. So he thought he, he hid his lifestyle. He hid things. that that he thought he was hiding from the Lord. He was just hiding from everybody else. And and, and the reality of of moral excellence and you going out of these doors and living virtuously by every single time, we we may never see that. Psalm 139 tells us that God knows everything about us. That's one of the best psalms. You have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. God knows the effort that we are making. I don't say that to scare you, but hopefully to motivate. So what do we do now? Well, we're going to take some community together. I was thinking about this this week. Um, John 15 passage is all about bearing fruit. Jesus is on it. They're strong words. he, He wants your life. He wants you to bear fruit. And if fruit comes in many different forms, we can have that discussion some other time, but he wants your life to have meaning, and that meaning is centered on, on him. So, we're going to pause and we're going to take communion for a second. Because later on in that, later on in that, as Jesus wraps up talking about fruit, he says this, this is my command to you, to you disciples. Love each other the same way I've loved you. And we just had this whole I'm the vine, you're the branches. You Produce some fruit, well done. If you're not producing fruit, we're going to cut you off. You're going to burn in fire. The very next thing, this is my command. Love each other In the same way I've loved you. Moral excellence. Taking our current understanding of what God's Word says and living it out all the time. And you guys now know that you're to love one another. You're to be patient, you're to be kind, you're to be gentle. Not be judgmental. You're not to keep records of wrongs with one another. And that's not just us in this room. It's when you disperse from here and you go into your life. We are to obey the command: love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Because there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. And then he says this to So we remember that sacrifice as we consider moral excellence and adding this to our faith. That he views you as a friend, worthy of dying for, because the love that he has for you. So let's take the... He passed around the wine. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood that was shed for me. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your example of your love for us by dying on the cross. And then there's just this instruction to to love each other as you have loved us. So Father, I, I pray that we can take this knowledge and go and live it out when we're standing in line at Starbucks waiting on coffee, when we're dealing with our children, when we're dealing with coworkers, may we remember the love that you have for us. May we practice moral excellence by loving others the same way.